you know what? No. Hello and welcome back to the Shut Up Bella podcast, the podcast where you will beg me to shut up and I do not listen. My name is Bella, I am your host, and welcome back to season two of the sub podcast. Season one was a wild ride. We were kind of finding our footing and looking for what we were going to be doing, like what our niche was going to be essentially. And I think we've finally found it. This season is all about books and writing. Gone are the random bonus episodes that made no sense. Okay, we're getting focused. We're narrowing in on our little corner of the podcast market. So I thought that would be no better way to start season two of the show than to start with a lovely little book club. So grab your cup of tea, grab your biscuits, grab your snacks, grab whatever. We're talking books. This is a warning. Bella's Book Club is not an unbiased place, not in the slightest, because with me, if I like something, I love it, I'll tell you exactly why. So while Book Club, we're going to include some balanced arguments, you know, we're going to be balancing those arguments, English literature, GCSE A-level style, going to take you back to your essay writing days. (laughs) So while it's going to be balanced, it's not going to be unbiased in the slightest. I have to add this warning in particular today because today's book club is centered around my friend's book, my friend Thea, in fact. First and foremost, let's discuss the author. Who is Thea? If you've listened to literally any other sub episode at this point, you've probably heard the name Thea from me before. Thea is the amazing author of the book we're going to be talking about today called Bulletproof Hearts and we actually met through her book because I was in the comments telling her how much I loved it and how incredible I thought it was and somehow a friendship was born a year later from that. Thea is an incredible author, her book blows my mind every single time because it's so good and it's one of, I think Paige is her first book that she's ever written before so the talents that girl has is off the charts. Yeah, and I met about a year ago now. I think over a year ago now, which is kind of crazy. So, in Thea's own words, what is BH all about? I am going to read you the synopsis of the book. Freya Arsov sits on top of a world of diamonds and sports cars. Her father is a Russian billionaire, her mother an esteemed lawyer. She attends the most prestigious boarding school in England. She has four amazing best friends and a dreamy boy who is in love with her. Except... None of those things make up for what happened last summer. Matthew Alnassar has fallen far. After the death of his father, he finds himself involved in a world of gangs and guns and has no way out. When these childhood neighbours clash, bullets fly. Love is a girl pointing a gun at the boy who owns her heart. Or at least in this story, it is. Oof. Gets me every time, gets me every time. Right, so little disclaimer. I don't know how actual book clubs work because... I'm young, like I'm not 50 yet. I feel 50 some days. That's a whole other topic that my physiotherapist has to deal with. But yeah, I'm young. I've never been in a book club. So I'm inventing my own book club layout, which will probably like include different sections for different books. But for this book, for Thea's book, I'm going to be discussing the plot. And there's a lot of plot to discuss. The characters, there's a lot of characters to discuss and my likes and my dislikes dislikes will be the shortest category I'm happy to say so that being said let's discuss the plot of this book needless to say spoilers ahead and when we're getting to like the big spoilers I will give you all an extra warning so 
As the synopsis tells you, the main plot arc involves Freya Artov and Mafia Amasar, who work together to dig down Russian Mafia guy Karola. By the way, um, I sent Freya, like, Freya? I just called Thea Freya. She'd love that, by the way. She'd love that. I sent Thea, like, parts of this script, so it's like she didn't, wasn't totally in the blue. She hasn't, like, read the full thing because she wanted to, like, have some sort of a surprise on listening to this episode. So I sent her part of the script and I sent her, like, the Russian Mafia guy part because I don't know what to call him. Like, gang leader just sounds weird like there's no other way to describe Karova other than Russian mafia guy it works it works perfectly so within them trying to take down Karova there's different facets and different elements of course the first of which being the romantic relationship between Freya and Matthew which is phenomenally executed I mean first of all the two actually act like love-struck teenagers and what I love about their relationship is the pace of it, which I think is something that Thea excels at with all her romantic couples and all her plot lines in particular. It wouldn't make sense for these two people in particular to act in any other way than what they did due to their characterizations. And I'll talk about the characters later on. Their love kind of begins like a slow burn as the two like test the waters with one another. But once they're in love, they fall so wholeheartedly and so extremely. And that is so fun and devastating to watch at the same time because as a reader you kind of get a sense that love that passionate that burns that bright and that fast can't last forever despite how much i want it to last forever and ever and ever we also see why it is that freya wants to destroy karuba which links back to her previous problems with addiction and her experience in a karuba russian mafia ran rehab center in russia where she was treated awfully Matthew has his own reasons for wanting to take down Karova too, which is largely because Karova is controlling Matthew and the gang Matthew leads in London called Humorts. Because Matthew was under the control of Karova, like while promising to help Freya take him down, that kind of extra sprinkle of like inevitable betrayal really adds to the tension of an incredibly tense book already. This book, like the amount of like anxiety attacks this book has given me on numerous occasions because people just do things and I'm like why are you doing that but like I know why they're doing it Ugh. it's stress inducing in the best way possible I like I can't get through a chapter of BH without having literal like heart palpitations it's almost painful at this point and like I mentioned I think one aspect that Thea is really good at as a writer is pacing within the relationships obviously but also this is echoed in the overall pacing of the plot within the book so the book has 51 chapters in total, which at first may be daunting if you like to read shorter books, like 30 or so chapters. And while BH is objectively longer than other books I normally read and enjoy, excluding the likes of like Harry Potter, which is thousands and thousands and thousands of words, pages, whatever, it doesn't feel like an incredibly long, dense book because there is never a dull moment. As Thea herself says, it is very much like an everything is on fire book. It's fast paced without rushing and it doesn't confuse readers because as a reader myself, I am slow when it comes to like little hints, which I'll get to later with some of Thea's little hints that I ignored and didn't pick up at all. And at times when a slower pace is needed, such as a huge momentous occasion that takes place at the end, which I will discuss in just a moment, Thea really amps up that description to almost a poetic, lyrical sense to really slow the book down once again, further demonstrating the mastery she holds over her plot and her pace. Here are my standout moments from Matthew Freer and Karova's plot lines that all interweb. Number one, the one where they snog, and it includes 
all the colour imagery in Matthew pushing aside the period it's so descriptive you feel fully immersed it really feels like scenic and lyrical in a way the card game I think it's called aces or something but like I don't know the full name of the card game because all I know is like poker and solitaire because I have a granddad in a girl's body and Freya's like on his lap and he's calling the shots but it looks like Matthew's like doing all these great moves and I don't know how to explain the moment like clearly but if you've read the book you know the exact moment I talk about they're in like a basement or something playing the card game and Charlotte says Charlotte I love you she's my queen but it's such a great moment because it does such a good job like that one scene is so symbolic at showing their dynamic as a couple with Matthew just being like the biggest simp and doing whatever Freya asks of him like I just love that moment to show them off so perfectly and obviously um good luck on your exam we don't need to talk about it we don't need to talk about it but it lives in my mind rent free rent free okay so moving on from that main plot including those three we have the subplots so Blood Proof Hearts met first glance appear to be a Freya Matthew love story with gangs in the background but what I love about this book is it's essentially an ensemble book with each of the eight main characters having their own plot line and things they need to go through I think I would be here forever trying to discuss all of them so I'm going to try and talk about my favorite BH subplot to talk about as much of it as possible without actually talking for three hours about BH so the Amelie Carson drama at the very, very beginning of the book, like from chapter one, this is kind of what hooked me as a first time reader of this book and like kind of unknown to the world of Thea. <laughs> one reason is because it has spawned the iconic line, the amazing line from Freya also herself. I don't know, Arms, how did you accidentally fuck my brother? <sighs> Incredibly iconic, so iconic. But also, I just love the drama of this subplot because it kind of shows, like, yeah, this is a book about gangs and gang-related events and, like, drugs and, like, murder and that stuff. But also, it's, like, a book about teenagers going through teenage things and falling in love with people you're not supposed to. And it's petty and it's dramatic. And ugh, I love this. Also, um, I love Emily. Emily gets a lot of haters, which is so unfair because I love her so much I will defend her to my dying days I'll talk about this a little bit more and talk about Amelie's as a character but what she goes through like her loyalty to every single person in this book no matter who she's lying to or what you think about her she is one of the best characters all eight of them are one of the best characters but I love her so much another one of my favorite subplots has to be Grayson and Mayella because they're like friends with benefits relationship is the root of so many of Bulletproof Hearts like great comedic moments because yeah this is a really intense book and you will cry and you will feel stressed as hell and you will not know what's coming left but it's also like hilarious like it's really funny don't tell Thea I called her funny though because I'll just go straight to my head and I think because each of the relationships in this book starts so 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 differently it just shows like Thea's pacing capabilities once again because like this relationship between Grayson and Miela starting as friends with benefits, Grayson being a simp, Miela not knowing what to do. It's so different to all the others, like you know, Emily and Carlson, Yorina and Anakin, your fra- your fra- I call them Frathio, Frathio. It's so different and yet it works so fantastically well. I love it. Um, another note I have is that every time Juliet Grimaldi appears, I'm sold. Sold, sold, sold. I love Juliet. She's one of my favorite characters in the book it's just immaculate Raina and her family dynamic is so fantastic to read about it's one of my favorite parts 
about writing that as a character because it really just shows like all these characteristics that she has like the um quick to anger the witty the like kind of explosive fiery side of her you can all like trace that back to the relationship she has has with her family and it just makes so much sense um the homoerotic tension between charlotte and freya yep 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 and everything with the of family which i'll talk a little bit more right now in this segment which is all about plot twists needless to say this will include like the biggest spoilers because this book has some incredible incredible twists that I never saw coming as a reader so if you plan on reading this book which you most certainly should um just skip like however long this segment's gonna take let's talk about the plot twists first of all I will never ever forgive Thea for killing Matthew in that way I remember this was like when would this have been maybe like March or something, like beginning of lockdown, like talking about my favourite music to write to. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I love Lord, I love Love, and I love Laney, like, you know, basic stuff. And Theo was like, you should listen to Sleeping At Last music. Like it's really good to write to. I write a lot to it. And I was like, okay, pop off. Like I'll do just that. So I went into the second last chapter listening to, you know, the song was like, and I will walk 500 miles, listening to that song, The Sleeping At Last cover, walking into this chapter, the second last chapter. So imagine how emotionally destroyed I was when reading this chapter and Matthew was pleading for Freya to kill him. I was sobbing, sobbing. Matthew says it was nice dancing with you and in my headphones I have like I'm gonna be the man that walks 500 miles to you I was dead I was dead do not get me started when she drops the line love is not bulletproof on us because that just hurts there are like few boo deaths at this point that have made me sob uncontrollably because I don't cry as much at books as I do do as I do for like tvs and movies tvs and movies it's like sobbing on site like can't control it books it takes a little bit more to get me to cry. Thinking about Matthew, Alnassar, number one way it made me cry. Number one. And um, just to let all the Matthew simps like myself know, I messaged Thea every single day asking her to bring Matthew back yet from the dead. She hasn't agreed yet, but I'll make sure of it somehow. And then to hit us with the fact that the whole time we're right here thinking it was Freya. Like Freya did it. No, 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 no. She twists this around on us. So it's Anakin. Anakin. It stresses me out. Stressing me out, bro. (laughs) And then the second biggest plot twist. Probably the biggest plot twist, actually, because Matthew's death, I would put second to this one. Anakin being Freya's twin brother was the biggest plot twist of the books. I reread the books recently, like in preparation for making this episode, and I felt so dumb that I didn't pick up on it. But also, like, it just shows how smart Thea was that she included all these little hints, and we were all just too stupid to say it. We were all just like, nope, can't say that. Not happening to me. Can't say that. Like, the focus on Anakin's, like, eye colour in comparison to Freya's eyes and the subtle comparisons that Matthew makes between Freya and Anakin constantly. I felt like such an idiot for not catching it the whole time. But I cannot, cannot, cannot wait for when the second and the third book, because I'm pretty sure this confirmed there's going to be a third book. 
to see like the art of sibling dynamics be explored like between Freya, Anakin and Carson like it's gonna be so 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 immaculate also like I'm pretty sure one of the first times Anakin's introduced like the first line is like Anakin wants to kill Matthew like something like exaggerated like I'm gonna kill you like and then he does wow immaculate so let's talk about one of the reasons this book holds part of my soul that I'll never be able to get back and that is because of the characters so first things first we have Freya main character of the book the female MC if you will one of the things I love the absolute most about Freya is the fact that she has no consideration for consequences at all which I think every main character needs to have to drive a story you want to be the main character gotta give no craps harry potter bella swan katniss Everdeen. none of them gave a single crap about getting in trouble or dying or like any other consequence for their actions freya is the exact type of character you need to derive a story as intense as this one because otherwise there would be no book if you had someone like me who's like overly conscious of every single rule that's ever been set out there would be no book i wouldn't be getting revenge on a, raf- a russian mafia guy i'd be going police hello put me in protective custody and get me away for i was like no 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 baby let me take this into my own hands give me a gun and i'll kill the guy and i love that for her for as introduction as the ice queen and then we slowly see her melt and become like softer and softer under matthew's touch is astounding like one of my favorite tro- tropes is like icy girl warm fuzzy guy they meet and like they both just melt for one another it's so amazing Thea does it so well because like basically all of the female characters like Barbarina maybe are like kind of these like icy frosty emotionally distant and it's just great I love it my favorite for a moment by far is um the I don't know how did you accidentally fuck my brother it's so funny like, I can imagine it in a movie and just, like, howling. It kind of gives me, you know, an easy A where Emma Stone's, like, ooh, burn, and she's wearing the A and she's walking through the corridor. It kind of gives me, like, that level iconicness vibes. And for the second and third book, I don't want to think about the effect losing Matthew has had on her. Like, I don't want to think about her retreating from all her friends and not talking to them and just being an emotional mess. I don't want to think about it. So don't bring it up to me. Don't even mention the fact that Matthew is dead to me or I will be hurt. Because in my mind, he's not dead. Matthew isn't dead, he's secretly alive. And I just need Thea to accept this and make it part of the narrative. Thank you very much. Next character we're going to be talking about is Mia Lavance. First and foremost, um, just a quick side note. For the longest time, I thought Mia had daddy issues. Like, I was convinced everything about Mia screams daddy issues to me. But apparently she has, like, a stable relationship with her father. Seems kind of whack to me don't really buy it and now obviously all of the ebony house girls are bad bitches but Mayor Levance is the bad bitch of ebony house and from the second she smashed that champagne bottle across the guy's head I was sold on this girl sold from the get-go May somehow has great chemistry with every character she comes across and I think it's because like she is so aloof and withdrawn and that character like that character archetype just works so well with like happier characters and like warm fuzzy characters like Amelie, Grey, Juliet but it also works well with like the other aloof stony cold characters like Anakin, Freya, she just works with everybody. She's multifaceted, she can multitask, she gets along with everybody, she doesn't get along with everybody, she hates most people which is what makes it so fun for the likes of me. 
Also, she doesn't care at all about consequences. Again, even funnier. Um, we can see that from the second booth book, um, Bleeding Hearts. She gets arrested and she doesn't care. And I love that for her. Like I mentioned, the champagne bottle moment was so amazing. And I really enjoyed a lot of May's early development, but I think I was really sold on her as a character from when we started to see her struggling with her feelings for Grayson and if she would be able to let her guard down for him and just that kind of tension, like yet again, cold hearted girl, warm fuzzy guy. I love it. And I also love the fact that I'm considering Grayson to be a warm fuzzy guy. In comparison to Mela, he is, <laughs> but he's not warm fuzzy whatsoever at all. Now let's talk about my baby. Raina is my favourite character from Bulletproof Hearts and I could talk endlessly about why that is but here is my top reasons. Number one, she is a Leo. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest, um, I was the one who told Thea that she's a Leo. Thea didn't get a choice but nevertheless, Raina is like the most Leo in this whole book and I'm a Leo so I love her. I mean she's so passionate and fiery and she's explosive and she cares about things so 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 passionately and she's loyal she's everything like a fire sign should be and everything about her characterization like works so coherently do you know when you have characters and there's just like this one bit about them where you're like that just doesn't fit with the rest of you for some reason Stefan Salvatore comes to mind there's just something slightly off about his characterization that just doesn't really work the whole time and you kind of like he does things and you're like that just doesn't seem like you but with Raina everything she does is so Raina and just works so so well I love her and I think Anakin of Raina's relationship is possibly my favorite because it's not even a relationship yet it is so 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 slow burn like ugh, I love a slow burn relationship I love it love it love it and watching Raina struggle to come to terms with her feelings for Anakin is so amazing to watch especially because like Raina is so emotionally suppressed in a different way to the likes of like me and Freya and I can't explain the difference but there's a difference like that Raina and me are like opposite ends of the um emotionally unavailable spectrum so we get to see like the emotional distress <laughs> on all angles and I love that what kind of emotionally unavailable are you? Are you a male advance or a Reina? I'm a Reina personally. Now we'll be talking about Amelie. I will be taking the next few minutes to discuss the fact that I do not understand Amelie hate at all. Okay, so she lied to some people about some things. She lied to both our awesome siblings, Freya and Carson, and she also lied to the other Ebony house girls at some point. But everyone in this book lies about something everybody there is no reason for Amelie hate I'm gonna hear there's no reason for it yes it was slightly dramatic of her to run away to Paris for a whole summer after sleeping with her best friend's boyfriend best friend's bo best friend's brother she didn't with her best friend's boyfriend she's with her best friend's brother but they're teenagers they are all so dramatic all of the time like what would you do <laughs> granted most of us can't afford to run away to Paris for a summer but like I would run away Leave Emily alone for this. She doesn't deserve hate for this. And also, Emily has every single right to be distrustful of Matthew around her friend. Freya was kidnapped by Lottie. Charlotte, I love you. This is not your fault. It's not your fault you kidnapped Freya. Not your fault. I love you. You're free of all consequences for everything you've ever done. 
Bafria was kidnapped by Lottie because of her connection to Matthew and Karobert. And Matthew was a literal gang leader. Are you telling me if your friend got kidnapped and then was dating a gang leader, you'd be totally okay with it? I wouldn't. I'd be like, what are you doing? Like, he could hate you. People around him could hate you. I'd be nervous, is all I'm saying. Emily is just so loyal and so caring. I do not understand why people hate her so much. Of course, she's flawed. And of course, she makes mistakes. But all of the characters do. Anakin killed Matthew. Like, fully shot him dead. Bang, bang. And he doesn't get the same hate Emily does. If you are an Emily hater, just say you're a misogynist in disguise and move on at this point. I have no time for it. Juliet Grimaldi is up next. Juliet is the fifth member of the Ebony House and the first owner of my whole heart. This girl, wow, I love her. I love how when she was first introduced, I was like, oh, she's the good girl of Ebony House because she's like Monaco royalty, but oh boy, was I wrong. Juliet Grimaldi is a bitch and I love her so much. That was a John Mulaney quote, you know, in the set where he's like, my wife is a bitch and I love her so much. Mate to Juliet Grimaldi. She is the most dateable character in the series. If you look at all of them in the list, she is the one you want. And if it's not, I don't want to know you. <laughs> and her love-hate, like, friends with benefits relationship with Helena is both, like, entertaining and infuriating. It's entertaining because they have a lot of chemistry and banter in, like, a comedic way, but it's infuriating because Juliet deserves so much better than Helena. Also, time for a crack ship idea. Juliet and Charlotte, maybe. I'm the first one to say that Freya and Charlotte, aka Frotty, should have a chance that Thea should make them happen. But also, in a way, like Charlotte and Juliet could be cute. Jotty, if you will. Thea's ship names are awful for like every single character. She has Frathew. Gross. <laughs> it's just gross. Grayson and Mayella. Grayella or Mason. It's gross. The only thing that works is Jella, aka Juliet and Bella. And I stand by that. Next up, we have, well, we're moving on to the main male characters. There are only three, there's five main female characters, which by the way, someone commented on today's book. I remember her telling me, like, I'm not going to read this because I prefer reading books where it's like mainly guys and one girl. Like there's too many female characters in this book. I'm sorry. Um, just say you're a misogynist and move on. <laughs> like, I don't like books where it's mainly male characters because I don't understand that perspective. I'm a girl with love girlfriends. Yeah, that whole thing just confused me a lot at the time. Still confuses me to this day. Anyway, moving on to Matthew Almasar. He is the biggest simp known to mankind and I love it so much. Seriously, like, in a fictional relationship, I love when the guy loves the girl. She's, like, a little bit more, a little bit extra than the girl loves him. Obviously, they'll, they love each other equally. But, like, when the guy's just, like, a little bit above and beyond. I love it. I love it so much. Also, like, the, just the juxtaposition of this, like, big, bad, he's a gang leader. He's big and he's scary. And this is like the soft, sweet Matthew with like golden eyes who just wants to paint and have pet ducks and live a life with Freya and buy her a never-ending blue dress. Oh. Wow, I love him so much. Yeah, I swear to God, if you don't listen to this episode and repay me by bringing him back to life, I swear to God, we're going to have beef. 
Anyway, my favourite Matthew moment is good luck with your exam, myself, and I will not be explaining any further. Also, while it emotionally tears me apart, Matthew's last conversation with Freya before he dies is phenomenally written. Like, the dialogue is so good. I love it so much. Thinking about it brings a tear out my eye. I'm going to have to move on. Next, we have my boy, Grayson. This is strange to say, but Grayson is the comedic relief of the book. Which, yeah, it sounds weird because he is like the second in command of a gang and he's like this big, scary, tattooed guy. But consider this. The moment when he says, we're gang members, not litterers. That is so funny. Like, he's the comedic relief of the book. He's a literal golden retriever. And it's just the juxtaposition of like this big, beefy guy, like tattoos, scary, grumpy gang, whatever gang people do, I don't know, clearly. This is like the tiny golden retriever of a human that he is. And he just loves me and that so much and wants her to like accept him and love him back, which she can't do because she's emotionally withdrawn. Ugh. I love Grayson and Mia so much. And finally, moving on to Anakin, the final of the eight main characters. Anakin is the only main character who isn't secretly a golden retriever. I think secretly he's like a pissed off cat. He's some form of feline. The Ossos are all cat people and everyone else is a dog person. You can't change my mind about it. Arguably, I think he has the best backstory of all the characters. Kind of like a Rapunzel situation of like being stolen away from his birth family, aka the Ossos, raised by Karova, who would be the mother Gothel of the situation. And you can kind of see like how this distrustful upbringing that he's had of being like kidnapped, kidnapped. You can see how it's like manifested in the way he acts with like his peers and withdrawing himself from anyone around him. He is so angsty, literally the most edgelord out of the entire characters. I mean, he named himself Anakin. And I've never watched Star Wars, but from like the impression I get, I think Anakin's like a pretty angsty guy. But, like he named himself Anakin. Like he could have won for, his name is Alexi. He could have won for Alex. Or like Al. Something not as angsty as Anakin, for God's sake. <laughs> And I cannot wait to watch his relationship with Rena develop more in Beach 2. It's going to be so phenomenal. I'm so excited. Freya and Matthew died. Yes, my heart is broken over them. But, like, I can still be excited about Rain again. And I really am excited. Thea, please don't hurt me with them. And before we end, because I've been recording for a long time now, this episode took a lot of takes because I keep, like, getting emotional and, like, being unable to speak. <laughs> because I know this is just, like, really weird and I'm so proud of Thea and the fact that she wrote such an amazing book that I get to sit here and talk about it to hopefully other fans of her work if you are another fan of her work like you should be following me because I talk more about her than I do about me but yeah like I'm so proud of her and the fact that I get to talk about this book is just incredible I love it so yeah before we end here are some honorable mentions for like all my favorite little parts of Bulletproof Hearts so the fact that every character has a corresponding greek god goddess and i can never guess the correct god for them Thea did like this whole instagram thing where she was like guess the god for each character i got them all wrong all wrong i didn't get a single one right but i think that is a fun interpretation anyway if i think freya is actually no freya's persephone moving on if i think amelie is 
Hera, queen of the gods, because she is, she's my queen. I'm allowed to think that. I'm allowed to. If I want to think that Mela is next, I'm allowed to think that. Thea can't tell me otherwise. The fact that Matthew's car is called Persephone, and this is kind of like a Hades Persephone retelling, I love that too. It's phenomenal. The big being British is also amazing to me because, like, the fact that I can, like, read quotes from the book and not have to do, like, that fake American accent in my head. The fact that I can be, like, good luck on your exam, awesome, and know that, like, they actually speak like this. Also, I have a theory that Grayson is Northern. I think he's not as Northern as me, but I'm pretty certain he's, like, at least from Manchester. And nobody can tell me otherwise. If he was, like, all the way up from where I'm from, I would love that. But I just, I can't imagine... Grayson talking in like this like thick Geordie accent with like the poshness of the other characters I think it'd just be too funny but I think like Manchester because obviously that's like a really heavy like manga accent that would really work so yeah petition to make Grayson from Manchester the whole character of Lottie is phenomenal to me phenomenal Charlotte I love you I love you so much like I love something about like enemy turned friend like enemies to lovers is great but like enemies to like begrudging allies it's so different charlotte in a lot of ways is like loki to me charlotte has like the biggest loki energy i love it so much the ducks the ducks thea has somehow managed to brand ducks as her own and i love that for her never-ending blue is i see the color blue and i think of rathew and it hits my brain the fact that the symbol for Karova is a butterfly and Matthew has a butterfly tattoo, but Thea is terrified of butterflies. Like she made butterflies such a huge symbolic thing in her book and she's so scared of them. I love that. I love it. The way that I am convinced Matthew Alnassar cannot swim. He can't swim. You can't tell me that you've read like Matthew Alnassar moments in this book and thought like that's a guy who can swim I just don't think he can swim I cannot explain this headcanon I don't think Matthew can swim and I stand by it but Sia tells me repeatedly that he can swim I can't explain it like this is the thing she's always like why do you think this I can't explain it but he gives me I can't swim vibes maybe it's because he's like he's tall and tall people technically don't need to learn how to swim because they can just like stand in pools I can't explain it Matthew can't swim and on the same note, like, I don't think Raina can swim. Raina's too short. She was scared of the water. She never learned how to swim. Facts. And I believe that is all I have to say regarding Bulletproof Hearts, because otherwise this episode would be way too long. As I mentioned, I've already been recording for almost two hours now. Let's see what actually makes it into the episode at this point, because a lot of it has just been me rambling. I think I talked about Juliet Grimaldi for like 15 minutes which would which is way too long I shouldn't have done that I want to thank Thea for letting me talk about BH today because I love this book and these characters so much and I want to just say like I'm proud of you you wrote an amazing book you're okay friend I'm kidding she's more than an okay friend but I'm proud of you and I love this book and if you haven't read this book you should 1000% give it a read because it's so 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 amazing in the description for this episode like usual I will include all the links where you can find Thea find her book find her twitter which is a mess (laughs) find her instagram where she posts amazing graphics and edits for her books and I will also include my details there like I usually do 
So thank you so much once again for listening to this episode and welcome to season two. I have so many exciting things coming. I'll give you a little teaser. I'll tease a little bit, just a little bit. We have things coming about publishing, traditional publishing, self-publishing. We have, that's going to be a really interesting um, little series I'm going to be doing actually. And I'm so, so, so excited for that. Like usual, we're going to have some really, really exciting guests on the show that I am so, so, so excited to talk to. We're also going to have things like publishing your book online where's the best place to do that I mean after last season when I went on my own personal journey with having my work on Wattpad to where I'm currently at now with my work not no longer being posted on a Wattpad I'm going to be kind of sharing my story and helping people out there who are struggling to either find where to put their work in the first place or they're wanting to make a change we have more book clubs coming we're going to be starting something called a character assassination where I just tear apart a character for like 20 minutes We have um, some themed months coming up. So we have a Women's Month special. We have Pride Month specials, Mental Health Awareness Month specials. A lot is coming. And I'm just really excited that I get to do this and get to share all this with you guys. So thank you so much for listening. And thank you so much for getting this far. Let's jump to the outro. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And if you'd like to find the host, Bella aka myself on the show anywhere else you can find us on instagram and twitter both are just shut bella with an extra s for shut you can also support the podcast on ko-fi if you wish to it's a pronounced ko-fi or coffee who knows and you can find us there at www.ko-fi.com forward slash shut up bella once again thank you for listening to this episode and i look forward to seeing you for the next one